0: This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. Look, I am a literature student, so I've read a bit of Shakespeare in my time, some of which I understood, some of which I don't understand, but... I do remember the opening lines of Twelfth Night and the opening lines are, if music be the food of love, play on. Now, in We Will Get Through This, we're not really talking about love, although I guess actually now I think about it, that's a whole new angle on this conversation. But we're definitely talking about music. And I've got an intriguing guest to talk to, which I'm really excited about. I don't know Nathan. Many of the guests I'm having on, I know a little bit, but Nathan is brand new, introduced by a mutual friend. So I am excited to introduce you to Nathan Lee Jones, who is a creative communicator who loves music. He's currently doing a PhD that explores the impact of music and lyrics on emotional well-being. So not only do I have somebody who's practiced in the art of music, but has an academic background that's driving insight. So this is going to be a a juicy conversation. He's an avid singer-songwriter and he's taken his piano all over the world, including performances at Joe's Pub in New York City which I admittedly haven't heard of, the Sydney Opera House, which I have heard of, and I have actually done some gigging there myself, and even Google's headquarters in Mountain View, where I have also done a little gigging. So we've got something in common there. He has also produced original music for Billy Porter, Alan Cumming, and Rhonda Ross. And recently, he was the official music curator at the World Happiness Summit, and he shared his insights at the World Congress of Positive Psychology and the Australian Leadership Coaching Conference. He believed, and we're going to dig into this, that lyrics matter, and when we harness the power of music, we can change our emotions, change our behavior, and therefore, and ultimately, change our world. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm um, well, thanks, Michael. What about you? I'm also well. So you're one of the few people that, when I speak to it, makes it sound like I don't have an Australian accent, because you definitely have an Australian accent. So- I uh-
1: so privileged that you say that because a lot of my friends back home they're super australian and they're like dude
0: you sound american and i'm like what what yeah, i know no, i get that as well i talk, so here's, here's okay this is two kind of traveling australians bonding over that no 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 like- on the one hand i quite like not having a super strine accent on the other hand yeah. i don't want to be have my identity stripped away from me exactly. but yeah where, whereabouts are you based
1: I'm now based in Adelaide, South Australia, so I have returned to my hometown, returned to the roots.
0: So Adelaide, for those of you who are not that hot on Australia's geography, it's kind of in the middle, down the bottom, and uh, home. I mean, it's a beautiful city, but also home of amazing wine. It's the kind of this home of Penfolds, which is Australia's kind of most classic, most notorious, most awesome wine brand.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we just crack open bottles of Grange every night, Michael. <laughs> it's the Adelaide drink. <laughs> it's the Adelaide drink. Yeah,
0: Grange, Grange is the top of the range penfold wine. But okay, obviously, drinking is one way to get through this. But let's come back to music. And, and I'm curious you know, you, in the introduction that I read that you sent me, you talk about the power of lyrics. And I'm wondering um, who are the lyricists that have showed up in your life and you've gone, okay, wow. That and, and kind of, I guess, open a door into this being a place of exploration for you. Yeah, I mean,
1: where, where do we start? I mean, there are so many incredible, talented, particularly singer-songwriters out there that just pour their hearts into their music, and and when you hear a, a, a lyric that connects with you, it's it's pretty dynamic. I, I think for me. Um, one of the first artists that emerged that I just started really waking up to lyrics with was uh, was John Mayer, actually. Mm. Um, just a great singer-songwriter, and he just has this really clever, almost nerdy way of taking lyrics and then turning them on their head and having some weird resolution that really pulls on the heartstrings. Um, and so those singer-songwriter people really, re- really speak to me personally, like Sarah Bareilles and Andy Grammer, and Ed Sheeran. Um, nice. You know what? Yeah. I, was, I was listening to a... a an Ed Sheeran song uh, just yesterday. And uh, actually, I'm gonna pull up the lyrics, I got them right here. Um, He says, uh, we could change this whole world with a piano, add some bass, some guitar, grab a beat and away we go. I'm just a boy with a one-man show, no university, no degree, but Lord knows everybody's talking about exponential growth and the stock market crashing in their portfolios. Well, I'll be sitting here with a song that I wrote. Sing love could change the world in a moment, but what do I know? (laughs) And those kind of songs, I'm just like, you know, when the world is going through crisis, to have those singer songwriters that can take their pen, get some paper, write some lyrics, and connect with the deep truths that we know, Mm. that's pretty special.
0: I mean, you're writing a PhD on how to connect um, music and lyrics in particular to well being. And I certainly get that at a kind of superficial level. I mean, just, you know, I listen to music. I like lyrics myself. Uh, I mean, I start with Gilbert and Sullivan, kind of nerdy 18th century, terrible wordplay, brilliant. And like Paul Kelly, you know, he's written an Australian singer-songwriter, has written a song called Adelaide, written another song called Words and Music, which is about this magical combination of words and music. And for me, he's a truly gifted writer. But how does, how does music and lyrics in particular go beyond just, uh, look, I'm feeling, I, you know, I feel good with music, but how does it go deeper than that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's a funny one. It's such an elusive area of research because um, inherently when you have a song, you can't just separate lyrics from music. They're kind of the same thing, the same experience. Yeah. And researchers have tried to do this for years. They've tried to take, say, like a song by uh, Paul Kelly um, and show that to some uh, listeners in one condition, then show another song by, say, John Mayer, and try to compare by deeming one with maybe more negative lyrics and one with more positive lyrics and trying to interesting. see if there's any difference. Yeah. But see, the problem with that, as we would know, is John Mayer is not Paul Kelly. And right. Trying to say different things, and some people may have heard the John Mayer song, but not Paul Kelly, and there are so many factors that are so hard to control with music, so experimenting to even to to ask the question, do lyrics matter, has been really, really tricky previously. Um, But what I've been working on um, with my PhD is actually um, creating original songs based on my background of being a singer-songwriter myself. Mm. And what we actually did was we, we took this massive list of about 15,000 words, English words, that were related, rated from most positive to most negative, and were able to uh, substitute different words in different conditions of the song. And so by taking a word like vacation and swapping it for another word like murder, um, you're able to essentially changed the meaning of the song. And um, but the music's held constant in both conditions. So we're able to find that above and beyond Cunning. the effect of, I, know, I love being one of those sneaky psychologist yeah, yeah. Experimenters. That's sneaky. <laughs> yeah. And we found uh, it was actually the the first time that this has kind of been empirically validated, but we did find that positive lyrics that are kind of scientifically deemed positive as far as positively valenced words, um, they make us happier. Uh, they have a huge effect um, on our emotions above and beyond the effects of music. And, and not only just positive to negative lyrics comparisons, but actually we had an instrumental version of the songs too. And having positive lyrics actually increases people's responded, felt emotion um, above and beyond just uh, just music instrumentally by itself.
0: That's really interesting. So you could listen to a piece of music and be moved by the by the notes but if you have lyrics that have a a certain amount of positiveness in the, in the language that will amplify people's good feelings.
1: That's what we've found so far in the research. Obviously, I mean, it's such a, again, an elusive space to be playing in, but at least with our sample and with the stimuli that we use, that's what we found. And it's, it's a fascinating finding.
0: So, all right, I feel like we could nerd out on this for quite a while or at least I could just try, I could just try and catch up with you around this. So yeah. the first place I want to go is this. There are times when the song I want to be hearing is less about I want a happy song and more I want a reflection of my mood. I mean, I just have this moment of going, yeah, I must. Have, I was a teenager, probably younger rather than earlier, and I remember hearing Billy Joel's song "Innocent Man" for the first time, mm. and just I was like, "Oh my God, I am that innocent man. I am misunderstood. I am noble. <laughs> I suffer in a martyry sort of way. I mean, you know, full of teenage angst. So all of this speaks to me, and that was resonant to where I was and. I felt better for it whilst also feeling sad and, you know, a little maudlin about it at the same time. Mm. So I'm just curious to know about the the power. I mean, is there anything there that kind of like the importance of a song that is resonant to how you feel and how happiness or maybe contentment isn't necessarily accessed only through the happy lyrics or the happy music?
1: Absolutely. I love I love that story. Just even that that experience with, with with the Billy Joel song is exactly what music does. I mean, it's, it's been said there's a quote that gets posted on every <laughs> Facebook page about music, that music is what feelings sound like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that was a perfect example of that where you feel in a certain way and, and music's almost able to be like... Um, it's almost like your, your listening device becomes a music therapist in that moment, like it listens to you and it hears you. And I think one of the big mistakes that we all make is that, oh, I need to be in this space. And so let me ignore how I'm feeling and pull myself into what I feel I'm meant to be hearing and listening to, whether it's positive lyrics or an upbeat, happy sound. But the, the whole point of music is to meet us where we're at and to amplify our feelings. And that's one of the conundrums with some of this research is that is there even sad music? Because if it's sad and we're feeling sad, it kind of makes us feel better. (laughs) It's a bizarre thing. But I think really the main thing is to be heard by the lyrics, whether they're positive or negative. It's not really the point. It's about whether they're actually connecting with us and whether they're then helping us in the long run tap into our best self.
0: So last night my wife and I were making dinner together and we we have a little sonus set up and Marcella goes, all right, Michael, I was like, do you want some music? She's like, yes. And I'm like, great. What sort of music do you want? She goes, well, like not too loud and jangly and dancey because I'm past that, but I don't want anything kind of pastel or whatever. And I'm like, okay, let me have a hunt around. And I, I jumped onto one of the plate, one of the streaming services, picked a playlist, and honestly, first three songs were perfect. There was a little bit of Dylan. There was a little bit of somebody else. I was just like, this is great. And then then it just went it just went bad. I mean, there was like this <laughs> awful kind of chipper, uh, upbeat, kind of slightly a cappella version of the Beatles, A Day in a Life, which is this very beautiful, delicate song. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's funny. And I was like, I'd, I'd been betrayed by my playlist. So, <laughs> yeah. How do how understanding the understanding you're bringing me is that the um, music can be a, a kind of a, a, a precise intervention in how I want to feel or how I could feel. Mm. How do I how do I manage my life so that I get what I want from music and it doesn't just trickle along the background being wallpaper? or I don't just kind of default to just some stupid playlist?
1: Yeah, it's such an important question. And I love that you were able to, at least within those first few tracks, target what it is that you needed. Um, And that your your wife gives you some criteria and you're like, (laughs) I'm on it. And she's like, perfect. I mean, that in itself is a sign of your, um, what what Gardner kind of called musical intelligence, that ability to just feel the music and understand it um, and to tap into that language. And I think to some extent, even though these algorithms of Spotify and Pandora are getting wonderful and um, they're, they're pretty smart, like I still think we're kind of smarter in some ways. We know mm-hmm. what we feel. And we're like, yeah, that's not quite it. Like we, we, we understand that real deep dimension of music. Um, so so how, do, how do we manage our life with this? Well, f- for me, I think it's about uh, just getting a little more prepared. I mean, in this moment, uh, with what the world is going through, we're having yeah. to be prepared. Um, and if we need a special kind of medication from the pharmacy, um, we're not going to leave it for another few weeks to run out ask for it to get compounded, uh, to wait for it to be delivered from oh. the cameras. I mean, we need to do the work now. We need to create what I call our own playlist prescriptions. Like we need to prescribe ourselves what it is that we, we know we're going to need. So in your case, if you know that uh, you usually like that kind of vibe around dinner time, and this is, this is a thing, this is a reoccurring thing, then to be able to create a playlist um, that, that meets that need so that when you do hear a song, Um, You're able to add it to a playlist to do your homework so that when we're in those moments, we're able to better tap into the effects of music and manage our life through just a little bit of smart preparation.
0: All right. So give me some more specifics about how I do that because I have two default modes. One is I go, I'll listen to Paul Kelly's greatest hits, A to Z, A to Z, and just have rattle through all of those songs because I love most of them. And so I stick to very much what I know. Um, and I'm like, Oh, look Paul Kelly. Oh, and Bob Dylan, who is, you know, it's, Paul Kelly is the Australian Bob Dylan. So I'm like, okay, I'm just bathing in the lukewarm water of familiarity here. And it's lovely, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not, there's not a whole lot of growth going on here for me. Mm. Or you kind of go, okay, I cast myself adrift on a playlist and I might get lucky, but that too becomes a bit unheard because I'm like, I don't know the songs and I'm not really listening to them properly how do I find the middle line between more actively hacking the playlist and growing the musical support that I want?
1: yeah awesome well I, I think for me it comes down to three different components um of our relationship with music i think we've got this idea of and i know michael you're no stranger to this this whole notion of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. um this whole area of knowing ourselves right. is something that we sometimes forget to include in the idea of listening to music we kind of uh jump on to maybe some other aspects but we forget about how we're feeling in the moment so right.
0: i think emotional
1: intelligence is big Then yeah. um, there's that idea we just talked about before of musical intelligence where yeah. you kind of knew that uh, dylan was the perfect moment for for, for what you needed then um, and then this idea of, of lyrical intelligence which is i guess kind of linguistic intelligence but it's almost this uh, this kind of sweet spot of knowing how the lyrics land with you and sorting your playlists right accordingly so for me it's those three areas um and and practically putting that in, into play would really mean um going through some of the themes that jump out to you when you hear a song um there's some debate as to whether some people are lyrics people and some aren't but if if we're paying good attention we should be hearing some of these themes. yeah personally i like to create playlists based on the themes so if i if i hear a song um that's talking about forgiveness and it's like whoa, I'm not even ready to hear this right now, but whoa, I'll put mm-hmm. that in a playlist called forgiveness nice. um, and save it for later. And, and then sometimes I'll go even further. I'll put it in a playlist called forgiveness, but uh, it's more of a softer, gentle song. So I'll put it in right. that playlist. So working backwards, when I'm using my emotional intelligence, I'm saying I'm feeling a little low right now. Um, and what's going on in my life? What, what, what am I really struggling with? Well, I'm struggling with my mum. As everyone is, I'm struggling mm.
0: with my mom. Yeah. Your, ma- um, your mother is a nightmare, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've met her. That's well. Crazy. You, you oh, said well. we're all struggling with your mom, and I'm just agreeing with you here.
1: Oh, I see, I see. Well, um, I love it. But you know what? I'm sure the world is struggling with her. Um, she's a beautiful lady. Um, so just to be able to tap into something like that to say, cool, I'm in this down low spot. I don't need to hype myself up with happy music. Mm-hmm. This- but I do need to refocus to what I know is true. And so you've got a playlist called Forgiveness. You play it and it's like you're in a movie where, you know, the soundtrack comes on and the yeah. right word, right moment you're walking, well, I shouldn't say down the street, you're walking through your lounge room um, and you're just feeling what it is that you were meant to feel in that moment. And, and that comes through just a little bit of clever curation to, to bring you to that point.
0: How many songs are on a typical playlist of yours? Because one of the things that I notice is I like la- I just seem to lack the imagination in building a playlist. So I have oh here's a playlist that's got 400 miscellaneous songs that I kind of like on it. But it uh, sounds like yours is a uh, more playlist, but but probably shorter.
1: That's correct. Yeah, I, I mean 400 is great. That kind of turns for me into into a radio station, which is yeah. great because you can put it on shuffle and you've probably got more variety than any hit music station in your city. But um, (laughs) I think um, for for me, my playlists start generally quite small, but they're super targeted. And so there'll be some playlists I start that are on this kind of random topic, um, strength and adversity or something even more just Mm -hmm. um, niche. Um, And maybe they're just three songs at first, but they grow over time. And, um, and for me, I've been really actively kind of playlisting based on psychological character strengths for about five years now. And the, and the lists just grow and grow over time.
0: Nice. Is there any guidance you give us around things not to do or kind of rookie mistakes to kind of avoid when you're thinking about curating your own musical experience so that you have a stronger amplifier of what matters to you? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think the biggest trap that, and I fall
1: into this as well. I think most people that start playlists, um, we kind of go for the low-hanging fruit. We, mm. we go for the, for, the, for the cheap shots. I'm seeing, a lot <laughs> of, I'm seeing a lot of playlists at the moment that everyone's making because hashtag COVID-19 is the thing that yeah. people are talking about. And so um, you create a playlist that trends on that. And so you've got Britney Spears, toxic. Uh, the police right. don't stand so close to me. MC Hammer, you can't touch this. Um, right. And uh, as soon as even you say like that, you're of... like,
0: could you not? Have, could you not have tried a little harder?
1: Exactly. I mean, but they look great for a playlist, and so people mm-hmm. like add it and share it because it's got that that really quirky, clever kind of yeah. I shouldn't say viral; it's not the right word anymore. But that kind of <laughs> sense where it kind of <laughs> it kind of takes off, you know. And so yeah. it's a real easy thing to do that and to start searching in Spotify for track names that represent it. But generally, that doesn't really represent what the song's about. Um, And then even more than that, if you're doing a playlist that's trying to help you through that, to have a song by Maroon 5 saying harder to breathe, like, I mean, it makes for a great, makes for, you know, a humorous playlist in itself, but it's probably not the best thing that we necessarily need. Mm. So it's it's, it's really about, um, I mean, good things take time. The good news is we've got plenty of time at the moment. Like, it's about really just diving in and just paying closer attention to to what it is the songs are trying to tell us.
0: And as a final question, how do you get serendipity into your life? Like how, how do you um, keep getting new music showing up and uncovering the new stuff? Because I, I am, I, you know, like I'm a classic old white dude listening to classic old white dude music. And part of me is like, I don't care. Billy Joel's awesome. And part of me is like, come on, Michael. Billy Joel is awesome and he's also 1976. Can we not, Can we now move into 2020, please? So how do you keep how do you keep finding new stuff you love?: Yeah,
1: I mean it's a great question. For, for, for all that you know we could say that Spotify could do better. They're an amazing platform, and they're getting better at helping us find new artists too. I find that if you look on your at least on my desktop version of Spotify when you have a playlist. Uh, they'll actually have recommended songs that come up afterwards as well. Right. And you can see there's a list below that you can keep refreshing and keep finding new music through. Nice. Now do bear in mind that Spotify don't, they don't take lyrics into account in their algorithm. It's its really about the musical features, but mm-hmm. it does give you a good chance at least musically to tap into more of what you want. Um, so so that's a really good way of finding it. I, I also find that um, when we're paying attention, when we're in this state of curiosity, um, you can really become a bit of a music detective. Mm -hmm. Um, I use Shazam for this often if I'm in the supermarket. I I, I gravitate towards pop. So, I mean, supermarket music for me is like, most people hate it. I'm just like, amazing. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, I I do have a pretty far-reaching taste as well. But when I see something uh, in a movie, if I'm watching a movie at home or a YouTube video or something comes up, I'm I'm able to – to take that song and harness it and save it to a playlist. Even if I don't know which category it belongs in, I'm going to hold on to it. And and then we can use that curiosity to maybe go to a site like uh, genius.com where they annotate uh, thoughts behind the music. or um, You can look at a YouTube video of uh, the artist and what they're talking about with the song. Um, And and if it's not a big artist, you can write to the artist. I I know people have written to me about my music before and they, they love it. But finding new ways to connect more deeply with the song maybe asking the artist for other recommendations, seeing, you know, what other artists listen to that that same artist is listened to by, it just takes a bit of time and effort, but it's so rewarding because we're able to find ourselves in the music and we're able to relate to it on a deeper level.
0: So Nathan Lee Jones, it's been fantastic, really intriguing and an unexpected pleasure and an unexpected topic, quite frankly. So this is cool. Um, if people want to find you out in the world, where will they? Where? How can they get hold of you?
1: Uh, I'm just online at uh, nlj.co. Um, that stands for Nathan Lee Jones.co. Um, and uh, yeah, on on the socials, hit me up and and have a chat because I, yeah, I'm just so passionate about the way that we can we can use music to to tap into our best selves. And I'd love to keep that conversation going.
0: Yeah, perfect. So, Nathan Lee Jones, you're awesome. Thank you so much. You're awesome, Michael. Thank you, mate. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go, the first is a gift, the second is a request. The gift, I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work cause it is a 52 week, 52 teacher, absolutely free video based course where I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter a little bit better than the year you've just had that is a terrific resource so please go and check that out absolutely free no obligation nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it and then for the request i just want what every podcast host wants which is a little bit of love so if you'd consider going to itunes or spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review that would be amazing thank you